0: heart and hand is proudly sponsored by manscaped manscaped are the leading authority uh, for all things to do with men's hygiene Uh, manscaped have just released a performance package which is the ultimate hygiene bundle and included within the package is the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer which is waterproof and uses a 9000 rpm motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system it also has proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks snags and tugs in those delicate little holes the bundle also includes the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer which is the best trimmer you can possibly use for your balls butt and body and also involved within that two free gifts i can't believe how much is in this Um, including the manscaped boxers and the shed travel bags in order to get this brilliant bargain and get 20% off in free shipping with the code RANGERS R-A-N-G-E-R-S at manscaped.com that's 20% off with the free shipping at manscaped.com and use RANGERS as your code when checking out what are you waiting for? go back your weeds and make sure that your balls look great during the process Hi everyone and welcome to Heart Hand Extra, this is your other free show that we send you across the course of the week um, to talk about all things Rangers. Um, my name is Cammie Bell, I'm your host and uh, I am overjoyed uh, to be joined this week uh, by my very good friend and comrade Narns, Mr James Forrest. James, how are you my good man?
1: I'm not too bad at all Cammie, nice to be speaking to you again uh, on this Friday evening. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to
0: preface this pod by apologising now if anyone hears any large explosions. Um, it's because of my uh, dickhead neighbours who have obviously timed their firework display around when I was going to record the pod. Uh, I have tried to minimise it as much as I can, but I do apologise if you hear any loud bangs in the background, James. Has there been much in terms of Guy Fox shenanigans around about your area?
1: There's been lots of loud noises, but I think it has been more uh, fans of the a lot throwing the tellies out the window rather than fireworks.
0: Yeah, fair, fair. I would give yeah. you that. I would give you that. Well, listen, we're here to talk about all things Rangers, and uh, the most important thing I think we can talk about in the current climate is our three-all draw. Um, with Benfica in the Europa League last night across in Portugal. Um, James, I've I've spoken about this a couple of times today. Um, I think I've had to make a mental note to myself to remember and call it a draw rather than a defeat because um, it it, it felt like it. It felt like it, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, because of the context of we concede that goal so late on and we are inches away from what would have been yet another historic European result under Steven Gerrard. Um, it was really it was really a kick in the nads in, in, in that respect. But I, I think, and every fan is going to get to this stage eventually, some have quicker, have already, some will take a bit more time on that. When you look back on that, you look at the context of that's a draw against the team, the best team that we've played so far this season, by far, because they are a Champions League level team with some excellent players in there, and we were so close to getting three points and actually getting one point out of that is a great result, nevertheless. You know, when you look at the full context of the game itself, it's still a very, very good result. Um, it's, you know, everyone has said that same phrase, oh, i a bit bitten your hand off before the game, etc., etc. And yes, it feels so, so annoying to come aware that not going another famous, famous night for us in, in European competition. A, a win that would have all but certainly guaranteed his qualification from, from the group as well, I think. Um, but nevertheless, I think there's still plenty of things that we can look at and say, you know, there was some really good stuff from that night.
0: Well, let's jump into it then, because uh, Rangers started out with uh, Alan McGregor in goal. A, a, a kind of fairly familiar back four in Europe now of, of James Tavernier, Connor Goldson, Philip Olander, Barisic midfield three of Ryan Jack, uh, Stephen Davis and Glenn Camara, and our, our forward grouping was Joe Aribo, Alfredo Morelos and Ryan Kent. Um, I thought, James, a fairly strong team, uh, which I felt, you know, certainly could be able to go out and, and, and take the game to Benfica. And uh, I felt the most important thing at that point was really just to make sure that we settled well and we were just looking to be able to, um, you know, start brightly. And yeah, we did the absolute polar opposite of that because with barely a minute on the clock, we are behind. Uh, Philip Hollander in a couple of different stages, fails to clear his lines. And then in turn, what happens is uh, the ball is then swept and comes off Connor Goldson at pace. There's nothing he can do about it. It's completely uh, unavoidable. And um, within, as I say, a matter of seconds on the on the clock, We are now 1-0 behind. You mentioned before that, you know, had you offered me a draw before the game had kicked off, you're right, I probably would have taken it. I would have paid good cash money to take a draw as soon as we were 1-0 behind that early on.
1: Yeah, not the best of starts. um, And I'm not quite sure what Philip Lander's doing. It's... One of those ones where I think if he has a if he has a right foot of any kind of distinction, he makes that clearance a lot sooner. But I think he's trying to find ways to kinda of get it onto his left foot to clear, but it's just a lot awkward. A lot more awkward in terms of how he was being closed down. He just makes a couple of bad decisions. At that point you'd almost say just knock it out for a corner rather than do what you ended up doing. Um, so very, very disappointed in, in that respect in the first instance and in again in the second instance getting caught out in terms of pace by their very fast, um, wide player from Benfica who was probably the biggest threat in, in terms of over the course of the game, uh, in fairness to him, uh, and it's just unfortunate it comes off Goldson, goes in, it's a crappy, crappy start and really all all you can say at that point, Cami, I think is, Okay, two minutes in. So, how do we react to a situation like that? And it was going to be an interesting test on top of everything else kind of going into the game uh, for this team in terms of how they would do that.
0: And indeed, what then happened was we kind of probably like a boxer who kind of gets a, a, a quite a, a hefty roundhouse in the first opening gambit. We found our feet a little bit. We managed to kind of level things. We didn't allow it to completely derail us. Um, There was a couple of opportunities started to kind of come up. The game was quite expansive, I thought, by this point, James. However, um, Benfica felt as if they were performing slightly too well and felt that in order to be able to make it more of a sporting contest, they were arranged to have a man sent off, which duly happened when Ryan Kent cut in front of uh, Otamendi um, he's, he's, he's brought down, um, it's through in terms of denying a goal-scoring opportunity. Uh, we're now playing against 10 men, and I think that that gave us um, probably the, the, the bit between our teeth that we needed to be able to try and come back into it. Um, and then some lovely play a few minutes after uh, results in the second own goal of the night uh, to level up at one all. Uh, very little that again could be done in terms of this it's just that a great ball that's been played right across the the, the course of the box difficult to be able to try and defend against I think the you know from this perspective um, Rangers the big test that you mentioned there was really about how to recover from that early setback and I think by this point even I wasn't expecting us to be able to get a goal and a red card before we'd even really hit halfway through the first
1: half I think You know, after the first five minutes and you're thinking, Oh god, this could be a really long night for us, the way that we then controlled the ball more and just settled things down and brought the pace of the game back down to a level that we were more comfortable with, I think was really good from us. And we knew that our best chance was to hit on the counter-attack and use that that weapon of Ryan Kent and his pace to, you know, run run through and we we utilised that, we managed. The man advantage at that point, it's an obvious red card. There's no debate, um, no, no right-minded debate in, in that respect. Uh, and it gives us a chance, and we respond to that chance only five minutes later. Uh, it's a great move by Tav to knock that ball into that area there, because if you do that at that speed, anything can happen when there's a lot of bodies in there. All it needs to do is just knock off someone's boot as it did and it's going to go into the net and you give yourself a real chance at that point with the man advantage, with the momentum having come back in there, because the way that your know, Benfica will react to that in terms of their deflation um, to having been up so early to then have conceded an equaliser and to be a man less, it gives us a real chance. I was quite surprised in terms of the decision that their manager made in terms of the player that they took off, their kind of Box to box, but who looked a real threat in the first twenty minutes, and I think a lot of Benfica fans that I kind of have been talking to were quite surprised by that as well. Um, so by that point, you're thinking, okay, game on. Let's see, let's see what we can do. Great to get back into the game, and it feels like it's really going away at the moment.
0: Yeah, in terms of being able to try and take PZ off, I think that that was something that forced. I mean, as you say, ben, if you into a tactical change, of course, that's going to happen. Um, and I thought that uh, Conval- I didn't understand what uh, Conval- Calvis was trying to do when he tried to, to sweep it. He hit it, what, I, what it looks like to me, with his wrong foot. So a little bit of a can accommodate errors. However, I have to go into the second goal because it, it happened virtually instantaneously. Um, a, a great ball out by the, the right-hand side by Alfredo Morelos. An interesting figure, I think, at times when you talk about Alfredo Morelos and how he can distribute the ball, because I think sometimes he struggles to find a guy 10 to 12 yards away from him. But on this side here, he channels he's in on David Beckham, looks up to be able to see Glenn Camara, does a complete swap right across the other side of the park, which Camara be able to try and control in a touch skates away with him slightly because at this point the surface was already um, had been teaming with rain at this point and then as Kamara cuts inside Borna Barisic makes a very very intelligent run down the left hand side the, the defender is caught in two minds as to regards what to do which opens up a gap for Kamara coolly slots by the goalkeeper's right hand post and and I just thought at that point I mean we've completely turned the game in its head, we've now got a, we're a goal up with you know a man advantage and um, a brilliant piece of play by Rangers, I thought, in terms of being able to spread out, open the play. We'll come on to Alfredo in a minute, but a great ball by him and just so cool with Glenn Kamara, who, I mean, sometimes when he's in these games, he, he can just look absolutely unplayable. He can just look you know, exceptional when he's looking to be able to try and build up space and time. I and mean, make he can finish as well as that. You know, you've got a really terrific midfield on your hands.
1: This starts on our goal line, essentially. And we move the ball. We don't punt it up. There's lots of different players involved. The interchange between Tav and Morelos in that right-hand side is absolutely fantastic. The ball from Morelos, the cross-field ball to find Camara there, that's why when he plays a striker he's going to come deeper because he can influence the play a lot better and that's a prime example of him doing that and having a bit more freedom to be in a lot more areas of the park and doing it that well. You're absolutely right about Borna making that run down the left-hand side just opening things up. That's, That's playing as a team. He's making that run knowing full well that there's every chance that Kamara's not going to go with him. But that's exactly what you want to do in terms of the eye line of the defender. He's in two minds at that point as to what to do. It opens it up and Glenn Kamara, who has been absolutely superb of late for us. He's been one of our best players in terms of the consistency and he's really, really coming on to the game but he's the last player in the park you would expect to actually hit a shot because it feels like he's been so resistant to do so in the last few games that we've seen him. He gets that area, he's always maybe looking for the short pass to someone else to, to have a crack, but on this occasion he takes that shot, and if he's going to shoot like that, for God's sake, hit more shots, man, on the edge of the box, because you can score them, and it was a cracking goal. And... You know, six minutes in football is a bloody lifetime because in that time we've gone from being 1 0 down to being 2 1 up with a man advantage. Absolutely unbelievable. I, I, I had to kind of of pinch myself at that point, thinking, how, how, how is this happening? But we're just that good a team in Europe. We're magnificent in these kind of stages when we want to be. It was absolutely superb. And uh, you know, we've we've scored some great goals in the Europa League over the last few seasons, but that one's right up there.
0: Rangers also had an opportunity with Joe Arribo, um, glancing just right of the post from a superb Bonabarisic cross. Um, and Pretty much that was the story in the first half. We've now went in and, you know, Rangers fans can now grab a breath, understanding what's going to unfold in front of them. Um, at this point, it was a case of, right, OK, so let's uh, continue to, 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 to press the ball and to be able to try and continue to dominate. Um, and I think for me, from that perspective, it was uh, an interesting choice in terms of being able to come back out with uh, that mentality still intact. And I think from that perspective, when you've got an an Alfredo Morelos who's looking to become Rangers' top European goal scorer, he's presented with, I mean, it's the easiest chance in the world, really, although uh, uh, Alfredo seems to be able to hit it into the roof of the net. Um, James Tavernier works it beautifully down the right-hand side, continues to be able to try and press in, takes it to the byline. Alfie playing a very, very smart game to stay on side, presents himself at the back post, which Tav immediately is able to find him. Uh, hits it with a aplomb Alfie's now at 22 goals Rangers record European goalscorer Ali McCoyst was obviously uh, part of the BT uh, team yesterday, I'm certain that Ali would have been uh, one of the first to congratulate him in terms of obviously breaking his record Um it's an interesting point James around sometimes when you get close to this it's a magnificent achievement and I'm so glad that you know we've we've continued to see Alfie being able to to drive on that because let's face it the Europa League is where he eats this is a tournament he loves scoring goals in you know his detractors will say well you know look at the standard of competition but it's, the standard of competition has been yeah some teams that are you know not world beaters but there's some very very big teams in there very big teams um, I was glad to see him get it because sometimes when you have that type of expectancy hanging over you and you're level and you need to score one to go ahead uh, in terms of the record, it, it can sometimes not only add a little bit of weight and expectation onto you, but we know he's not been scoring goals frequently. We know he's not been doing um, you know what he loves doing, which is putting the ball in the back in the net. I think that this then meant that it, it gets that off his back. He can go and hopefully score a lot more. Uh, But it was just great to be able to see him scoring goals. I just, I love a happy goal scoring Alfredo Morelos. His wee cheeky smile just absolutely warms my heart.
1: It's so good from Tav to set that up for him, and he deserves it because, yeah, you know, we're not saying that in the midst of this. Of this run that he's scored goals for us in Europe, that he's scored like five goals in like two games against absolute minnows. You, you know, the, there's so many goals against high-level opposition. You get to your Portos and Feyenoord and you know, a couple of goals against Midland as well. Yeah, he's scored against big opposition and tough opposition, and he's been the difference maker for us in so many occasions in those games, particularly last season. He was the top goal scorer in the whole Europa League group stage for the last season, you know. Um, He's done so, so well to come through what was a bit of a rut I think for him uh, and I think that's maybe something that other players can maybe look to in terms of that something's maybe been a bit off for him in terms of doing the primary job that he's there for which is to score goals he's come back in he's getting some goals now if he can get some domestic goals on top of that now he'll certainly be might firing but it's a great great achievement for him really really happy for him um, because you know, you know he you know, he wants it and he's, and he's wanted it and he loves and relishes playing for us on this stage. Um, it's absolutely superb, so well to him.
0: So now we are leading 3-1 and uh, it could have been four with uh, a wonderful move that created an opportunity for Ryan Kent. Um, he's been able to try and come, cut back inside. The, the, the goal's been open for him um, and he's just clipped it onto the post. Now this was one where I felt... Um, you know, if I was in a state of shock because of what Rangers were able to produce from such a a poor start, but now such, you know, a fantastic uh, performance to be able to give us a two-goal lead. Uh, I was a little bit upset at the fact that Kent wasn't able to finish that because I think he needs a goal. I think he needs a rest. I think he's played a lot of games for us. Um, I've got a huge admiration for Ryan Kent, James, because he doesn't give up, right? He just simply does not down tools. If he's not having a great game, then he continues to try, he continues to fight. And because he's such a talent, we know that teams have to commit players to him. We saw Kermarnik sticking two or three men on at a time when when we were at Rugby Park. Um, obviously, European teams will be aware of that as well. Um, but the chance that he created last night, if that had gone out, I think it just would have been absolutely ideal for him. Uh, it's difficult because a player has talent if you do bench him because he, to give him some 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 time off. Um, then you, you're going to miss him absolutely. So I'm hoping that he's going to get some race during the upcoming international break. Uh, but yeah, I was really gutted for him last night. I would have loved it if that had went in and been able to, he'd um, been able just to get that wee boost from the goal.
1: He hasn't done anything in terms of actual kind of output in terms of assists or goals for a, a much longer run than what you would expect of him now by this point and yeah uh, you know he is he is beginning to show the signs of someone who's feeling maybe a bit more frustrated by that. Now, by all means, you' you're buying on he is still putting in the effort. He's still making the making the runs through you know, the autumn the red car someone who's still you are know, trying and and wanting to get that. but it's just sometimes your luck is maybe not there, and he's just been a bit unlucky of late, especially with that chance in particular. And with you, I think you know if he's, got the chance maybe for the game coming up on Sunday to maybe start on the bench, let a couple of other guys come in uh, to the full to give them a kind of run out on that, just give Kent that little bit extra rest. Not necessarily from a physical point of view, but I think it's more a mental fatigue that he's maybe at now because he is someone that wants to take a lot of onus on himself and be that focal point. And when he's not kind of doing it, I, I can imagine him being the kind of guy that will be kind of kicking himself for not producing that output. Um, but the, the, the simple fact is there's no one else in the there's no one else in our squad that can do what Ryan Kent does for us so if he can get back to that level that he has been at points this season then it makes our attack a whole lot better and there's been other guys that have had wee spells of maybe been a bit off it and they've had a rest and they've come back in and they've looked great Scott Arfield's an example of that Yanis Hadji's maybe been an example of that at, at points uh, Alfredo Morelos is another one as well so it is something that does work and I think we are at that point with Ryan Kent where give him that opportunity maybe have a couple of weeks where he's not having to worry about being that guy and then after the international break you bring him back in, he'll be fresh he'll be raring to go and raring to get back on the score sheet, I think for me that would be the best way of handling Ryan Kent at this moment
0: yeah, and I think it's interesting because, you know, well, one thing that we will kind of come on to is, is, is substitutes and, and been able to try and rotate the squad round as well. Um, uh, interesting in terms of, obviously, what you see there with what we can do can't in terms of those options. You're right, that creative output is probably missing recently and he'll be blaming himself for that. He'll look to be able to try and obviously right that wrong himself because he does take accountability for his performance and, uh, and, and again, like I say, what he contributes. Um, James, at this point, I just felt Benfica were dead and buried. I didn't think there was much happening at all. Um, There was a a, a change made in the 67th minute um, by them. We followed suit with taking Joe Arriba off and bringing on Scott Arfield. And then we get to uh, just, with about 15 minutes to go, uh, Philip Holender decided that he felt that uh, Benfica needed a sporting advantage uh, and decided to have brain fart mark too where he very simply um, had no idea where the uh, the on-rushing Benfica player was been able to try and cover him um, and then from that stage he, he's been able to play it forward and a, a simple cutback uh, you've then seen Ferreira score from well, Ferreira Silva score from maybe <laughs> about three yards if he's lucky I have no idea what Philip Hollander is trying to do here, I, I think I'm, I'm, we'll come on to the, the, the third Benfica goal in a minute but I think now that you've got a player who's made two pretty cataclysmic errors that have caused this, his confidence has to be pretty much rock bottom. But I've watched the goal a few times now. I just think he gets completely lost out of sorts. I think his positioning is questionable. I think he struggles to be able to try and follow the ball. And then again, like you say, the, the, the downside of doing that, of teams of this calibre, on this stage is that they will punish those mistakes, Mm. and it's disappointing for a guy who has been so consistent for us, having come back from a long-term injury, Um, he's been absolutely rock-solid for us, and yet if he's going to make a mistake, he's going to double up in, in one night.
1: He's been so consistent for us of late, it's so out of character for him to have not only had one absolute horror error, but to do something just as bad in the second half that also costs us a goal. Um let's not suddenly rewrite the script on how Philip Hellander is for us though, you know, because he has been he has been some excellent defensive displays for him in in this run of late. Um alongside Connor Goldstone, that's been a really, really good solid defensive partnership for us. This has just been a really, really bad night for him Um, and players can have that. And it's just unfortunate it happened against an opposition that are going to punish you when you offer them the opportunity to take advantage of a mistake. By this point, I think management needs to kind of come come into this and you, you wonder about, you know, Do you make the sub? Do you bring on the Liam Balligan in place of Philip Hellander just because it's been a couple of errors and you just maybe shore up that defence a little bit more? I I, I think that might have been the way to go with that. Um, Just a bit unsure in terms of the the thinking regarding the substitutes at that point, Um, which was disappointing because at that point when they get that goal back, you know that they're going to be chasing because, you know, George Jesus has made the changes uh, to try and chase that game. I think our reaction to that, I'm not sure in terms of that. I'm not sure in terms of what the what the plan was necessarily in terms of containing the game and seeing it out.
0: Well, if it wasn't obvious then that it was completely oblivious uh, when Benfica scored uh, their Third goal and what would prove to be the the equaliser um, on the 91st minute. Scott Arfield um, is coming forward with the ball. He plays what was a relatively ambitious ball into uh, Alfredo Morelos, who, let's face it, is not going to run on to that, but he's certainly not going to run on to it when you know, it's the 91st minute and he's blown out his arse. Benfica are able to recover. I, I, it has to be said, an absolutely delicious ball. Uh, played by Walshmirt, through to Nunez. Our defence is now completely parted company. I think Goldson thinks that Holander has his man. Holander is probably not as close to him as he should have been. Um, and, uh, yeah, poor, uh, to say the least. Now, I want to kind of break this down into a couple of segments, James. I think the the manager had said in his post-match that, you know, the an aspect of it, and I agree with that. I think everyone agrees mm. with that. But there's also an element of this where I think that Scott Arfield, first of all, needs to understand that there's no reason to go gung-ho, even if it's 3-2, because I think, personally speaking, I think that Benfica, you know, I think they got an idea that there was blood in the water at that point. And they thought, well, listen, 10 minutes to go. If we get an equaliser, okay, fair enough. But, you know, if if we lose, we lose. It's not going to be the worst thing in the world. Um, he, he needs to be able to to think about what he does with that ball, where or not he, he he needs to run it into the corner or he needs to be able to try and hold on to it or just simply get rid of it. From a game management perspective, I think as you've just said there, and you've totally hit the nail on the head. I think the manager has to make substitutes. Now to give you an idea of what that looked like last night, Benfica used all five subs. Now, Dadel came on because obviously the the red card forced them into a change. Mm. There was two subs made at half time. The next one was made from on the hour mark and then the last one was made by uh, 67 minutes. Now, yes, you can turn around and say, well, those substitutes did not change the game. I'm not saying that. But what we need to do is we need to manage the game and run out the clock. I understand and I sympathise with the manager. I do, I do genuinely mean that, that sometimes he's been criticised about not making subs. Then he gets criticised about making subs, so what the hell do you do? But last night was not about making subs, it was not about squad rotation, it was not about bringing out fresh legs, it was about seeing out the game. We are not good at the dark arts, we are not good at somebody getting a touchy cramp, being able to go down and just take it easy. We're not good at just stopping play dead when a team looks like it's on the ascendancy, which at this point Benfica, as I say, did feel like they were capable of getting something out of the game, which they duly proved what happens is you need to be able to try and just kill the momentum as best you can. You mentioned there about taking Holander off and bringing Balogun on. I don't necessarily think he should have done that. What I think he should have done is what he's done previously and bring Balogun on anyway
1: mm. and then
0: just simply show up and then take it from there. I don't necessarily think that's an overly negative move when you're playing with a lead against 10 men. However... The third mistake comes from Holander, which in my opinion, those two who have formed such a defensive partnership that's been so solid look like for that third goal they had just met. So there's a there's a bit of a kind of series of errors that are fallen within there, which I think that the people involved, Arfield Gerard, Holander Goldson, have to take a bit of kind of equal responsibility for. However, it did finish three all. That's kind of the, the, the kind of story of the piece. I think, if have you if you've been like me, James, you probably went through that roller coaster of, you know, let's hopefully get a draw. Then, when, as I say, you're one 0 down within the, the the opening period of the game, you're please, Let's get a draw. And now you're kind of gutted that you're, you've not come away with all three points. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the manager's press conference today, and I kind of made mention to this to David Edgar, who was attending the press conference, and uh, our update is on our Patreon site. It felt a little bit to me, like in Conor Goldson's body language, that maybe he was looking a bit glum. Like, I think he's a bit disappointed in terms of how that goes on. And I'm glad, if that is a reason why he is disappointed, is because we have failed to bring back three points from a really advantageous position. I'm glad he feels like that. I want him to recover from it quickly. I want them all to recover from it quickly. Um, but it still feels like, you know, we've kind of twisted the knife and we've been a bit of a kind of masters of our own downfall.
1: There's a chance to react on Sunday uh, and, and get that, that feel-good feeling back before the final international break of the calendar year. Um, it's you know, it's it, it feels almost quite strange to kind of turn round and be as disappointed as, as that in, in getting a draw against Benfica. Um, but... We believe in ourselves a lot more as a team in European competition because time and again, whenever there's been a game that you think, ah, oh, it's just going to be a step too far, it's going to be a step too far, the team has proven themselves more than capable of putting in very comfortable, assured performances. Um, and there was a lot of periods of that game on, on Thursday night where we looked comfortable and assured and playing some good, good stuff. But you're right, our, our game management both kind of off the field in terms of on the bench but uh, but also on the field itself in terms of individual players um, Yeah, it's really only Alan McGregor who is the master of that and um, there's no other players that you don't really do that, you don't really see any of our guys kind of going down doing the, the cramp thing um, Alfie did do that but he always seemed to do that at like, the wrong time he, he never quite kind of picked the right thing to do it and now he's just not doing it at all Um so it's yeah, there's lots of kind of frustrating things to to think about with that. It's just ultimately for me it comes down to Arfield deciding to try and be far more fancy than what needs to be in that situation. Just run the ball into the corner, run down the clock. Um and that's all it needed. It genuinely they, they wouldn't have had that opportunity had Arfield just played it smarter. Um but it's good that it's good that the team feel like they've missed a real opportunity because they have missed an opportunity. They've got the chance, as we say, on Sunday to get to get a win, to get back to winning ways. And then, you know, we've got Benfica-Ibrox as the, as the fourth game. So it's a chance to maybe right or wrong in that sense as well. And a home win against Benfica would also be a very, very handy result indeed.
0: I would have went in if I was Stephen Gerrard last night. I would have went into that dressing room, seen that the players are gutted, and I would have said, "Listen, do you know what? Make up for it. At Ibrox. Use this. Use this as your motivation to be able to get us back on, um, uh, you know, a, a European track. Which I think, like you say, we absolutely established European team now. We we deserve um, to, to have got more out of that game because we created the chances and we created the opportunities, um, and that was through hard work and endeavour and skill. It's not a case of a smash and grab. So I think." You know, you're talking about what is effectively a Champions League team. I think that, you know, there was multi-millions of, of pounds on their uh, bench last night. I think that the last somebody brought on actually set up the, the goal was, uh, himself is worth £24 million. Pounds. Yeah. But the thing is, though, that, I mean, you know, again, like you say, the, the what you need to do is you need to be constructive, right? You need to be able to look at that and go, yeah, you're gutted. Yeah, you know, it's it's the hope that kills you because uh, you know you are so close to being able to go across to what is it to cause an effect a Champions League level team, been able to come across there who have spent something like a hundred million pounds within the last transfer window, and you've went over there and you've completely dominated them and you've not come away with maximum points and it's probably why a draw feels like a loss and and listen, do you know what? Maybe we've been spoiled. Maybe we've just that we feel like this because we have overstretched ourselves within Europe. I mean, we've absolutely punched above our weight and then. What we've kind of done is we've extended and then we've met that level. Then we've extended again. I and mean, then we've met that level when you think about the number of scalps that we've had across the, uh, the European runs within um, Well under Stephen Gerard himself. So I think the big thing for me, James, now looking back on it, is if I had to look at the lessons to be able to take away, if Hollander is going to have a brain fart, do it when we're away in Lisbon. There's not too much riding on it from a perspective of, you know, we're still top of the, the group. We're still top of the league. Heaven forbid if he was to make that kind of mistake, or those mistakes, I should say, domestically. So I think that from this perspective, my expectation of him now is he takes it on the chin. It's not been great. It's not cataclysmic. It's not the end of the world. We just simply, you know, wipe our mouth and move on. And, you know, that starts
1: uh, at Ibrox at three o'clock on Sunday. This was the very game to let this happen and to let those brain farts happen. Absolutely. In a game where... It was yeah. You know, there was no, there, there, wasn't really as much as we allow ourselves, to, and, and a lot more of us now are allowing ourselves to turn around and say, Do you know what, we we can compete. This one can compete against these kind of teams. I still don't think there was many that had the expectation of we are getting a result in Portugal. I don't think there was many of us that, that thought that. I, I, you know, it felt as close to a free hit as Rangers are allowed to have we're never allowed a full on free hit but that was that was up there in terms of how close that was um, and yet we feel like this canny. we feel like it's a loss we're still unbeaten this season we still haven't lost the game and these guys I have every confidence in the squad the harmony of that dressing room and the man management of the coaching staff there to get the players to bounce back in exactly the right way Because ultimately, as much as the Europa League brings us some excellent, excellent memories and brings us a fantastic income, and the further we go in that, the better. I'd rather we do it there than have a bugger of a performance at Rugby Park and drop points there when we've done that time and again. But this is a different team domestically. And we know what we're doing in, in these domestic games. And actually, the game management there has been a lot better. And I fully expect that to continue going into the game on Sunday.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, we, we love at heart and hand talking about context. Of course we do. We, we understand that. But one thing which I think is, um I really <laughs> brought it home to me last night, James, was when I was looking through social media. And whoever this is, and I'm, I apologise for my ignorance and the fact that I can't give you the credit for it, but please take a bow. Um, as they say, um, as whoever put up on Twitter last night to say, you know, that's uh, Rangers conceded four goals since September. Celtic have conceded four goals since eight o'clock. And that's the context. That's how you have to look at it. And so let's face it, we, we get back on the horse, we get back on that, you know, defensive expectation that Claude the manager absolutely wants us to continue having and I'm sure the defenders absolutely want us to continue having so we just have to take it from there and as I say move on with it um, however one good way to continue moving on from it is when Stephen Gerrard and Gonor Goldson came back to the UK um, they were quite rightly in my opinion awarded manager and player of the month respectively uh, and uh, that was given to them earlier on today uh, James uh, I think a, a worthy award Gerard's second of this season so far. Um, Conor Goldson, in my opinion, has been absolutely immense and at a time where the fan base previously have been frustrated at uh, the fact he was undroppable because, let's face it, he was one of the, the trusted lieutenants. Um, he, he has been exceptional this season. I think he's played the best football of his career. I think he's played the most consistent football of his career. And um, very very worthy awards for both men involved um and just you know i I don't think gerard is one of these guys who kind of sees this as you know it's certainly not major plaudits in comparison to the other things he's won Mm -hmm. but it's good to show the consistency and it's good for him to be able to to have that recognition and that acknowledgement as well
1: gerard absolutely deserves the manager award no question there's no one in the league that would come close in that respect the player award was only going to go to Rangers player because we have been by far the best team in the league the last month. Um, and Goldson is a deserved winner of that. There was other guys that could have been in the mix for that, though, when, when you think about it. Tav would have been a fair shout. I think Kamara, for his performances, would have been a fair shout as well. So there's definitely a few options that would have been there. But Conor Goldson, I think, for me, has been our player of the season. So far, he has been that consistent. He is so good at leading that defensive line um his distribution has always I felt whenever he's playing well has always been really really positive and good uh, he's getting better and better defensively as well um I have to I have to apologize and, and claim ignorance in the fact that I thought you know of the defenders that we had going into this season I thought, he would have been the guy that you'd probably accept to let go for good money and then look to see who you could bring in. He is unsellable now, for, for in, in a good way for us now, because he is far, far too important, as are a number of those core group of guys. They're just far too important for the way that we play uh, and the way we want to play. There's so much good about what Conor Goldson has done, done for us um, so far this season, and long may that continue.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And as I say, um, despite winning that award, he did look a bit glum today. Maybe it was just the jet lag and the fact that he had to have the press conference, at, you know, first thing in the morning and stuff. But I think, uh, you know, he'll certainly be wanting to get back out because he'll be wanting a clean sheet against uh, Hamilton Academical uh, when they come to, to Ibrox uh, for Sunday, James. And um, we know Hamilton Ackey's, uh not doing so well in the season. They're bottom of the table. The manager spoke about the press conference today. That you know, Brian Rice does like to come out and play expansive football. Maybe sometimes that costs him, but he will try it as opposed to you know just simply trying to hem in against Rangers. Uh, We've got an interview with with Brian Rice on our Heart and Hand Network. He is a tremendously likeable guy. Um, I've got a lot of respect for him and a lot of time for him, and fair play to him that if he wants to be able to. To have his team actually play football rather than just defend for ninety minutes, fair play. But this is um, should be on paper relatively straightforward. I hope that is relatively straightforward. Uh, but the the league is so critical to us. Um, we know our friends at the other side of the city. They're in you know making plenty of mistakes at the moment. And you know, as a, as a great man once said, when your enemy's making mistakes, don't interrupt them. However. We've got to take care of our own business. We have to ignore whatever happens at Fir Park prior to our game on Sunday. Three points is the requirement and, uh, and that's how we, we go into the international break.
1: Whatever happens in their game should have no effect on what we need to do at Ibrox. We have to go there. We have to win no matter what. Um, and it's a good opportunity for us to kind of maybe freshen things up a bit going into the break because as you say, it's, it's top against bottom we are by far and away favourites and we can make some changes. We can rotate the squad a bit and we'll still have, you know, the, by far and away the strongest looking squad. Um, I hope to see some changes in that respect. I think we saw that when, uh, for example, Jermaine Defoe came into the starting lineup out of nowhere really to play against Livingston. He does what he does and scores a goal uh, when he comes into the, into the team. I think it's an opportunity for a few guys to come in and maybe get some Get some run out uh, before before the international break um, and the ideal kind of opposition because of the way that they because of the way that they will play um, and because of that Cami I would you know I'm, yeah we can talk about kind of individuals in terms of who we would expect to start I would hope that we start Philip Hellander because I think it's, a, it's the ideal kind of game for him to bounce back from that poor performance. If you let him wallow on that for a while then I think that does him more harm than good if you get him playing again you you expect that he will put in a better shift against Hamilton just you know simple seven out of ten no dramas just do the do the job that you need to do and that will feel a lot better for him going into the break rather than him you know going out Balogun coming in and you maybe then question whether Helander can come back in straight away after the break or whether he needs a bit more time or what not, so I think you know there's some questions in terms of what to do, do in terms of the team, I wouldn't want us to make dramatic changes uh, I, I suppose but at the same time we've got such a good squad that we could make a few team changes that wouldn't feel too dramatic at the same time
0: Yeah, I, I would have no hesitancy to start and Philip Helander, I think that you have to take his temperature. I think you have to understand, you know, from speaking to him, from supporting him, uh, how has he taken what happened in Portugal? You know, has he taken it to heart? I mean, does he look like as if he, he can reasonably brush off the mistakes that he made and be able to come back into it? If he is, okay, fine. Then maybe we talk about Liam Baligan But if if halander needs that time, then absolutely give him that time because... I hate saying this because it sounds disrespectful to opponents and we can't say how important league games are by just simply uh, you know, downplaying the importance of these games versus the opposition that you're playing. Hamilton should be set straight forward. So, as I say, I'm not trying to, to, to create unnecessary panic. But if I could have a game where I think that we're going to be able to maintain a clean sheet, where I think that the action will be at the other end of the park, um, then I think I would have picked Hamilton quite comfortably to, to, to be that, that game.
1: Yeah, but we, we know, sadly, from our point of view, that Hamilton can punish us if we're not at it. So we still have to be at it. We still have to go in. We still have to perform well. Um, but we, we're a very different team from the team that last played Hamilton at Ibrox in the sense that we are managing our domestic games a lot better. Um, And I don't have that. I don't have that necessarily, that fear. Less to do with Hamilton, but more to do with us and the way that we treat domestic games. Um, So I'm I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it in a sense, more from our point of view. And Hamilton will do what they do. They'll probably, you know, they'll be a better team to watch and some of the other teams that we've come up against with the season, not that it's their prerogative to play good football against us they have to do what they want they have to do to try and get a result against us. That's absolutely fine. Um, Hamilton just have a kind of different attitude to it, toward that and Brian Rice is you know one of the one of the good guys in, in Scottish football um, so no harm to him whatsoever but it's far far too important for us to keep this winning run going domestically. Keep that gap there, and who knows, if we get the chance to extend it, even better.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, James, as you know, um, whenever I, I have you on, I always like to make sure that you're, you're put to the cosh. So I would trouble you, please, for your uh, score prediction. Um, and if you believe that we are going to score, who uh, scores the goals?
1: I will go for a 3-0 win. For us, uh, I think it will be two goals in the first half with a goal in the second half. Rather than seeing who's going to score for us, I will predict that Yanis Hadji is going to come back in and he's going to have at least one assist. That is, however, basically a one in one hundred, one in one hundred in favour bet that that would happen. In fairness, so I'm playing it a bit safe there, but that would be what I would go for. Yeah, that is. If I had to pick a bet
0: that you of all people would pick, that would be absolutely it. Yes, very well done, James. Yeah, um, I, I'm. I'm glad I, I've got to share your enthusiasm. I think that we've got the opportunity to to put a few past Hamilton. Uh, it goes without saying. Obviously, we've already kind of covered it, but the the three points are all that matter. So um, whether it's one 0 in the final minute, but if I can actually get some four or five goals into the uh, into the team, then absolutely we'll go for that as well. So yeah, let's. Um, let's say, get some um, goals on the board, that would be nice, but the three points is absolutely critical, and as as you say, James, if uh, by good fortune uh, we happen to be able to further extend our uh, lead at the top of the table, that would be Lovely, just heading into the international break. Uh, we won't have um, our flagship and extra shows next week, guys, because again, like you say, this will be uh, us coming into the international break as we obviously take uh, our own little break from uh, from our free pods. However, if you have liked what you've heard between myself and James tonight, and why wouldn't you? Because, like you say, we just love talking about Rangers. You can find a whole host of Rangers-related content at our Patreon site, which is Patreon.com/forward/slash/heartandhand. Um, please come and join five thousand bears um, on our network site which talks about a whole number of things to do with the club um, James you've got a new show which is launching uh, on the Patreon site on Monday morning, tell us a little bit about it and why if I was not a subscriber I should consider giving Mr Edgar a hard earned blue pounds
1: Um, very we're very fortunate, Cammie, in that we have a wide range of different people that get involved in doing doing shows. And we've got a couple of gentlemen who have watched Rangers for a lot longer than what I have and, and saw us during the 1970s. And what myself and the gentleman Alan Bradley and John Cowden thought was we would do a series of shows on Rangers in the 1970s and talking through that, as you say, the first show will be on Monday morning. Um, It's really fascinating for me to sit there and listen to those guys talk about football at that time because I'm always really interested in the kind of history of our club and kind of going back and talking about players like John Gregg and Colin Steen and Willie Johnson and describing watching these guys play at ibrox on the with the floodlights, with the colour of the of the blue shirt, you know, being so enhanced when you're there. In um, what was a very different looking ibrox then to what it is nowadays. I, I I I love listening to stuff like that, and it was a real pleasure to you know sit down and and ask John and Alan about these about these kind of things. Uh, so plenty of plenty of good content with that show coming. From for you guys um, with those guys so if you've not signed up already for that uh, please please do so because it will be an education for yourself if you're my age
0: absolutely absolutely
1: um,
0: all it's left me to do just now is to thank our executive producers in london mr mike lee mr paul myers and also uh, my wonderful friend and uh, privileged guest today thank you james for joining me on the extra it's always a pleasure to talk to you
1: privilege is all mine can't wait for the next thing have
0: a great weekend, folks. Let's get three points on Sunday. David, uh, as I say, we'll be back with flagship in a wee while. Um, but again, like I say, have a brilliant weekend and enjoy yourselves. Stay safe. Thanks all. Podcast Network.